Thanks for joining us today for our Freedom Podcast. We are excited to grow with you. Today, you will hear a message from the life-changing Word of God. We hope this podcast adds value to your everyday life. If you want to find out more about this ministry, visit our website at wearefreedomlife.com. Welcome to Freedom. We started last week in this new series called Passion. It wasn't the nails. And as we started this series and we approach Easter, there's a lot of things that each of us in this room are passionate about, right? Some of us are passionate about music, passionate about movies, passionate about a lot of different things, sports, specific teams. But Jesus... While he may have had other passions and desires, he is very passionate about you and me. He is very passionate about redeeming man. And there's a lot of us that need redemption. Okay, all of us need redemption. If we're being honest, we all need some form of redemption. And redemption is an interesting term because it kind of flies in the face of what the world would say. The world says, I'm good, I'm okay, I got it all under control. Redemption says, return to sender. Right? Remember the thought behind this series when we, when we continue talking here this morning, because it was, it was a lot more than the nails holding them to that cross, my friend. His desire to see you changed held them on that cross. See, it wasn't the threat of the Roman legions. It wasn't the hatred of the Jews or the Romans or the Samaritans. That's not what held them there. His desire to see God's creation return to the creator is a very important part of what happened as we approach Easter. As we learned last week, we learned last week that he is uh, fueled by his unconditional love for you and for me. That unconditional love gave his only son so that we would have life more abundantly. God gave us his greatest gift, Jesus. Acts tells us in Acts 28 35, it is more blessed to give than to receive. I want to talk to you about humble love. Humble love. The humility that Jesus had was unprecedented. In fact, have you ever had a time in your life where someone gave you something that you couldn't? Give yourself. I remember, uh, I remember there were times that, when I was a child that I would be uh, trading cards with my buddies. And once in a while, my buddy would have multiples of a card that I didn't. And he would say, here. And I would go, for me? Yeah. Yeah, multiples. But he gave it to me because he saw I didn't have one. His desire to want to see me have one and share with him 
was great for him enough to hand that card over to me. And I, who didn't have that card, was ecstatic about it. Now I have a lot, 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 lot more cards than that. But that one card meant something, especially at that moment when I didn't have it. Did you know that you didn't have forgiveness till Jesus offered it? And there's a lot more. Forgiveness is very different than just redemption. Forgiveness is when you have a debt and, it, and it's told not to, that you don't have to pay it. It's forgiven. Redemption is a little different. Grace is a little different. His sacrifice for you was very different. It wasn't that the debt was just excused. It was paid. And it's very different between a bill being excused and a bill being paid. And everybody said, it's a very big difference. See, Jesus didn't excuse you to heaven. Like Jesus wasn't escorting you and he's like, excuse me, come my son, my daughter, come into heaven. Excuse me, sin. Excuse me, unrighteousness. He didn't excuse you to heaven. He didn't. He said there was a price to pay. I'm going to pay it. That's love. There's a very big difference between God forgiving something, excusing it, and God saying, no, there's a debt. I recognize the debt. I see the debt. I will pay the debt. That, my friends, is what makes Easter or Resurrection Sunday the greatest holiday in all the world. While I love other holidays, some of you are very into the twinkle lights for Christmas. You're into your hams and turkeys for Thanksgiving. Who likes some turkey and ham? You got stuffed with stuffing. You have plastered with cake. All kinds of pies everywhere. Pie, pie here, pie everywhere, pie, pie. Nothing can hold a light to Resurrection Sunday. Because that, my friends, is where humble love was shown. I like how Paul says to the church in Corinth, he says, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Who is that indescribable gift? Say it with me. Indescribable gift. What is that gift? The gift of his life for you and for me. See, it wasn't just a payday for believers. It wasn't that. It was redemption day where we will return to sender. Go back to where we came from, that glory of being with the Father once again. See, Jesus was fueled by love, but there were also some so the other additives that were present in Jesus' life, and as we'll learn today, one of those things was humility. Let's look together at a passage of Scripture that helps us understand how Jesus displayed his passion for each of us. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. You got your Bibles? Turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. 
Don't get lazy on me and look at just the screen if you have your Bibles. I would like you to highlight it, star it. This is an important passage. There's actually a lot of verses here I want to read here. But guess what? I don't ever make apologies for reading a lot of Scripture. Because I'd rather give you the words of life than the words of Tony. Amen? Some of you said amen very, very diligently. That's good. Just read the Bible, Pastor Tony. That's all I need. Let me tell you, the word of God will bring life more abundantly. Amen? So let's look at it together, shall we? Philippians chapter 2, I love this passage. Listen to this. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Oh, that's easy. Okay, no, it's not. But here's what happened. Who by, by being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. In other words, he wasn't just trying to get position. He was trying to put us in a position. Did not consider equality with God something to be used by his own advantage. But rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. Somebody say humble. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Now, I need you to understand something. When he said even death on a cross, you know what he's saying? There's a lot of deaths out there, but this one's bad. Even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under earth. Come on, somebody. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I love that passage. Man, what a great reminder that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. That means the person that you think is the strongest person on the earth, the mightiest of warriors, the biggest of MMA champions, the tallest and most muscular football player, basketball player, any golf ping pong player. Okay, maybe they're not that big, but. Any big soldier you could find, that person too will bow their knee because Jesus Christ is Lord. You notice the first thing he said in this passage. Let's go all the way back up to verse 5. What did he say? In your relationships with who? One another have the same what? Mindset. I wonder how many of us have some level of condition attached to our faith. I wonder how many of us have some condition attached to the love that we have. I will love you until you. I will follow you until you. I will be faithful to you unless you. Those are called conditions, conditions, right? Jesus Christ unconditionally 
loves you. And unconditionally went under the microscope of man, humbled himself as a person like you and me, just so that we would have life. I need you to look at me for a moment. I need you to hear what I'm telling you. He didn't need to do this. But this is the only way we could be returned to sender. This is the only way we could be redeemed by the Savior. That we would return to him. He said it's unconditional love for each of us. Some have said Something along this line, and maybe you didn't say it verbatim, but maybe in the back of your mind, you've said something like this. God, I will go and do what you're calling me to do, but only if it aligns with my own priority list, schedule, and comfort zone. Here I am, send him. Here I am, send her. How <laughs> You laugh, it's true, right, though? At some point, somewhere in your life, you probably said, Lord, I'm yours. But what you're saying is a little bit out of my league. I don't think I can do this. God, maybe you're calling the wrong person. Maybe I'm not hearing right. Maybe it was just, maybe it was just a bad taco I ate last night. I don't know. I just, I'm not, I'm not getting it. Maybe I don't hear this. It has to be in my comfort zone. God, I will follow you unless it's out of my comfort zone. Uh, does it really work that way? I don't know about your Christianity, but that's not how it biblically works. There are a lot of people that came to, came to Christ, came to Jesus, and at that point, they did not fit the bill. But God equipped them for the call because that's what he does. Amen? So the truth is that God cares more about your obedience than your comfort. That doesn't mean that he care less. He doesn't care about your comfort at all. You know, I could care less about your comfort. Like, that's not the same. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that if God had to choose between your obedience and your comfort, he will choose obedience 100% of the time. Because eventually that obedience will drive you to a place where your, your passions come alive. Are you hearing me? Some of us are in very difficult places in our life because we, we have followed our comfort instead of our call. And when that comfort runs out, the call is still begging for more. It's begging for you to do something with it. That call inside of you. Are you following what I'm saying? We often tailor ourselves to the comfort side of things. And we say, this is what I feel comfortable doing. And God says, don't feel comfortable, feel called. Don't tailor yourself to the comfort, tailor yourself to the call. And if we were to find ourselves at a place where we say, God, I will, com- I will not be so focused on my comfort that I forget my call. I'm going to be laser focused, come on somebody, to my call because you are all I need. I thought I'd get more than one amen on that one. I'm going to tell you right now. <laughs> Is it prevalent in our society to focus on our comfort? 
Oh, you better believe it is. Everyone will tell you, do what's in your heart. Follow your heart. It's what you feel. Stop feeling. No, that's not what I mean. Stop thinking that somehow your feeling supersedes this. Feelings can be covered. Feelings can be changed. Feelings can go this and that, this way and the other. Your feelings are not stable. In fact, your heart is not stable. Your heart is what Jeremiah calls desperately wicked. So if someone says follow your heart, like inside, be like, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. <laughs> I don't want to follow my heart. That's what got me in trouble. <laughs> Have you surrendered everything to God? Because that's where, that's where obedience really comes from, doesn't it? Have you surrendered your thoughts to God? Because the mindset is what he was talking about in Philippians, wasn't he? Have the mindset of Christ. So let's talk about that for a moment because your mindset equals your mental target. You know what your mindset is? It's the mental target you're approaching. Listen to me. Your mindset is what you're focused on. That's your mental target. That's where you're geared toward. What is a laser? What is a laser? It's, it's light refined. Focused light. That's what a laser is. Focused light. So much that it cuts what is in front of it. God wants us to have a laser-focused call. And the only way to do that is to humble ourselves in obedience to the Father. And who better to show us the example of humble love than Jesus Christ? You with me? So let's look at a couple points because preachers have points. Watch this, number one. Christ followers think in humility. Come on, write this down. Type it, tweet it, put it on your status. Cook it, mash it, put it in a stew. Whatever you want to do, the, the things that Christ followers do is they think in humility. God. How can this moment bring glory to you? How can this trial bring glory to you? How can this situation bring glory to you? Because, listen, I want to be very clear with this. I said something earlier that I want to make sure you understand. When I said stop feeling, I'm not saying be a robot. I'm saying feelings are indicators, not dictators. Feelings tell you where you're at. They shouldn't tell you where to go. The moment it starts to tell us where to go is when we're driven by our flesh. When you start getting driven by your flesh, the whole house of cars starts coming down. So what I'm saying is, when something happens, why don't we start to think like this? Why don't we start to say, God, how can this moment bring glory to you? Think in humility. Because Jesus was constant in doing the Father's business, which is our theme this year. 
about the Father's business. I like how George Bernard Shaw once said, those who cannot change their minds cannot change anything. Isn't that true? Think about it for a moment. Those who can't change their mind cannot change anything. Because if you can't change your mind, you have no power or authority to make a trail of any sort. If you can't change your mind, you can't change anything. Your mindset has to be that of Christ Jesus. Think in humility. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that some of us need mental reform. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? Some of you are like, <laughs> oh. He's right. But it's true. We need to reform how we think. We need to re realign where our priorities are. And that takes a reset. That takes a little bit of a reset. And how better to reset than through the word of God. So if we're going to have the mind of Christ, we got to have the Thoughts of Christ, if we have the thoughts of Christ, we got to have the words to form those thoughts. And if we need the words to form the thoughts, whose word is better than his? We need that word. So we need to think in humility. And so what are we talking about? One of the most well-known uh, passages comes from the book of Philippians where it says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, Whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Is that right? Found that in the book. So often our thoughts go off into deep, dark territory. And then we say, God, deliver me from this. But you're the one that was reading the map. You're the one that drove yourself there, and then you're asking God, help me back. One of the things I love about my phone is that I can, when I can be anywhere, 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 and I can go, take me home. Siri, take me home. I have already preset my phone to know where my home is. So anywhere I am, Western Pennsylvania, to Kentucky, to Mississippi, to Oklahoma. I can be anywhere, and I can tell Siri, Siri, take me home. And as long as Siri's connected to the source, Siri will tell me, here we go. Take a left. Go straight. Make a right. And in 846 miles, hang a left at the stop sign. Wherever it is that I find myself. Why? Because I have preset. Come on, somebody. Who's with me? I have preset where my home is. You didn't preset your home. So he was going to be like, I'm sorry. I don't know where your home is. If you don't know where your home is, you can't come home. This is where you live. This is where we got to live. Church, we got to think in humility. We got to think on these things. Who's with me? Okay, I got to get moving. Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your heart. By the renewing of your membership at the Y. <laughs> by the renewing of your planet fitness. 
No. It's the renewing of your mind, your base of operations. Renew it. Then you'll be able. Then, everybody say then. Then Then you will be able to test and approve what is God's will. How do we know how to test and approve? Renewing our mind. How do we renew our mind? We think the way Jesus thought and get in his word. Amen? I love how it says do not conform. You look up the word conform and here's the definition. You ready? Behave in a socially acceptable manner. I am very socially acceptable right now. I hope not. I hope to God that in my tombstone is not written, here lies a socially acceptable man. Because there's nothing acceptable in God's eyes of what has happened socially. Are you with me? Listen, if you're waiting for someone to pat you on the back and tell you you're socially acceptable, God help you. Because Christ himself, if he stood right here, he is not socially acceptable. Christ himself was not so. He was not socially acceptable back then. He did turn over some tables and stuff, cause a little bit of ruckus. But sometimes you got to turn some tables to make some points. But what I'm saying is, if you're waiting to be socially acceptable, you're conforming to the world. And that's plain and simple. I'm going to tell you just as it is. I'm not here to play games. I'm here to tell you the truth. Are you ready? You conform to this world, and they will pay you what they can pay you. They'll pay you in pain. They have plenty of currency of pain. The world is waiting for you. Come on. I thought I'd get a few more amens in that. Come on. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, everybody say then. 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 Why? Because you have conformed. No, because you renewed your mind. One or the other will happen with your life. If you conform to this world or renew your mind, something's going to happen on either one of those fronts. And I'm telling you, you're better off renewing your mind today. Amen? If you behave in a socially acceptable manner every single time, You will be run over by society. You have to stand for what is right and what is righteous. That is the job of the church, period. That is the job of the church. Instead, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You will know the will of God. Okay, good points, Tony. Let's go. Number two, Christ followers act in humility. Number two, Christ followers act in humility. Humility. Jesus had a humble mindset and a humble posture. He humbled himself and gave himself, and he recognized something more. I love how, again, Philippians says, he, that is Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, right? Jesus acted in humility in the most unbelievable way. He acted in humility as he became human and was born into a poor family, and the rest, they say, is history. He showed 
what servanthood was like. Some of you know our great brother, Greg Hubbard. How many remember Greg Hubbard, larger than life brother? I love that brother so much. Can I tell you something that uh, just rocked my world? And I'm, I might have even shared it when he was here, and I needed him to know how it changed my life. When I was in college, I remember uh, I was serving on a traveling team, and I was uh, doing drama, and we were doing that. And we were at a camp in Potomac District, and we were in, uh, at the time, it was Falling Waters, West Virginia. It was a campground out there. And Greg Hubbard, I knew him from several times speaking before. He came and spoke at Valley Forge several times at my school, uh, college. And he's there, and he's preaching, preaching, doing all these things. And then I go to camp, and I find out he's going to be the speaker. And I'm one of the, you know, one of the camp leaders. You know, I was serving during the nights in the services. I'm doing the drama. I'm also one of the, you know, leaders with my team, and we're serving. I remember going to lunch, and I remember walking into the cafeteria, and as I walked into the cafeteria, I see this larger-than-life cafeteria man standing back there with an apron, a hairnet, and some gloves. And I looked, and I second-looked. You know what I'm talking about, second-look? You see something, then you go. You know, I did a double-take? I did a double-take. Because that behind-the-counter, serving people food, was Greg Hubbard. He stood in the cafeteria, scooping out mac and cheese, giving out food to these kids. He was serving them right there. The man that could have been in his room in his ivory tower before he comes down to preach, he wasn't. He was in the cafeteria serving wonderful lunch because the cafeteria lunch is always good. He was there serving this food to everybody. And I was blown away by it. Why? Because I expected him to be doing something high and holy. And here I didn't realize that he was doing something high and holy. It just looked differently to me. In my mind, it was something different. And that impressed on me at the the young age of about, what was I, like around 19 years old, 20 years old. And I said, if I ever, ever have a platform, I need to stay doing that serving. Are you with me? Jesus Christ was that example to all of us, that humble servant love, and that's what he did. Jesus Christ was about humility. See, maybe these stories are so striking because they're so rare, (laughs) right? You You don't go to a conference, hear the speaker blow up the whole place. It's amazing, and then Go to lunch, and he's handing you a Chick-fil-A sandwich. Come on, somebody. God bless the Chick-fil-A. Heaven's chicken. Thank you, Lord. That's going to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb. I'm pretty convinced. (laughs) Marriage supper of the Lamb is going to contain Chick-fil-A. And the sauce. Stop laughing. It's biblical. It's in the book of... Fifth John, I don't know, somewhere. Okay, no, I'll get to it later. That's not a book. That's not a book. Some of you are like, I got to highlight that. It's not a book. And for those of you that looked, shame on you. I didn't know there was a fourth one, let alone a fifth one. But I'm convinced that one day when we stand before him, that there'll be something so far more greater. 
and he would look at us and he would say, well done, my good and faithful leader. No, that's not it. Well done, my good and faithful pastor. No, that's not it. Well done, my good and faithful. That's what it was. Humility is not about thinking less of yourself. It's literally thinking about yourself less. Focusing your time, your energy, your thoughts on others is what servanthood's all about. I, when I look across this room and I think about you as a church family, and I think about all the things that are happening in all these different rooms right now, right now as we speak, amazing things are happening in these rooms by leaders and by people that love and serve. Some serve a lot. Some serve more than they probably should because there's a, there's a void there. Can I encourage you with something? If you're not serving in the house of God, can I encourage you? If this is your home church and you consider this a place where you love and you attend, can I ask you to prayerfully consider serving in some capacity in some way? If you don't know what that looks like, talk to Rebecca. She'll help you kind of figure some things out. Talk to my wife or I. Say, Pastor Tony, I want to serve. I just don't know where I'm going to fit in this. Humbly serve because that's what Jesus did. It's not about thinking less of yourself. It's about thinking of yourself less. Last thought. Christ followers obey in humility. The Bible tells us that obedience is better than sacrifice. What does that mean? Doing what God said. I love what my pastor said. Uh, this is an interesting thought. My pastor, when I went on an internship when I was in college, uh, my first, into my first year, going into my second year, I believe, um, I went and I did my internship with my pastor in New York. And I said to him, I said, Pastor, what is, what is your definition? Because I heard a lot of definitions of holiness. I said, what is your definition of holiness? You know what he said? He said something that has never left me ever since. He said to me this. Listen to me. He said this. Holiness is doing what God said the first time he told you to do it. Isn't that good? Like I thought to myself, I will never forget that all the days of my life. Holiness is doing what God said the first time. He's doing it. The first time he said do it. That's when you know you're approaching true holiness as a believer. Is doing what God said the first time he said do it. So frequently, obedience may cost something, but it births something so wonderful in us. Because every time we obey when God says do it, 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 it creates a track record that we trust his voice. Do you remember a scene in scripture when Jesus was about the father's business? Well, let me remind you for a moment. Crucify him. Crucify him. When he was on that cross. Well, before that moment, there was a moment where they brought Jesus up and they brought a man by the name of Barabbas. They brought a man by the name of Barabbas. And in that scene, some of you may have watched the movie with it, right? Here's this brash guy who's like, whatever, I, I am who I am. And there's Jesus. He had already been beaten. And he's just standing there, hardly able to stand. And they looked at him and they said, who do you want to release? Jesus or Barabbas? 
He could have looked at them and said, I didn't do anything wrong. He already had his humble focus on that cross. Long before they even knew what was about to happen. So I invite you for a moment to think about this. Pilate himself didn't want to send Jesus to the cross. Did you know that? Did you know that? He didn't want to send Jesus to the cross. John 15, 9, as I close with this thought. John 15, 9 to 13. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. This is what he's feeling. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. Verse 11, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Think about this for a moment. I say this to you so that my joy would fill you so that your joy may be complete. What does that say to you? Our joy without his is incomplete. Did you hear that verse? Listen to it again. I want, it's, it, it, it's worth repeating. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. If you're looking to be complete today, listen to me. It's not going to be found within you alone. That joy only comes when you allow his joy to fill the gaps of your joy. Because human joy without divine joy will limit and pass away. But his joy completes you. It fills in every gap. It fills in every gap. You ever, you ever, uh, you ever had something where uh, maybe some of you do arts and crafts and there may be different ways to do it, but maybe you have some sort of cutout where you fill it with chocolate and it kind of fills up to that shape, that form, and then you got to let it settle. And then when it cools down or whatever, you put it in the fridge or whatever. And then all of a sudden, it takes form of whatever it is that it went into. And then you can flip it and now you have this formed piece of chocolate or formed whatever. It's kind of like God is saying, you have all these wonderful things in your life, but you're missing one thing. Let my joy be in you. And he's filling all those gaps with his joy. If you lack joy today, can I tell you something? You don't have to lack joy. You can obey God and still have that joy that he can give you, but you got to do it in humility. Because a lot of people want the joy without the humility. I want to have joy and humility and everything else that the mindset of Christ brings. Amen? We see Jesus invites us to be obedient, and I invite you today. As we approach Resurrection Sunday, to be obedient in whatever it is he has for you. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, Pastor Tony, I, I'm in a very weird place. I don't know what to do with my life or I don't know how to handle this. Or, can I tell you something? Sometimes you just have to sit at his feet 
and tell them about it. Because most of us, watch me for a moment. Most of us are quicker to complain than we are to confide in God or man, right? If you're quicker to complain than you are to confide in the Father, Father, I'm going to be honest with you. This really is getting me right now. We're quicker to tell our friend how bad our day was but we never go to the Father. There's something that happens when we walk in obedience and we say, God, I don't want, I don't want to go another day without your joy being complete in me. How many would love to just let God pour out joy into our lives today? His humility and his life and his death and his resurrection all was to restore you to your rightful you. Are you with me? The rightful you. Not the sinful you. The sinful you is the one that needs repair. The rightful you is the one that he created before the foundation of the world. The one he really wants to see come out. That humble love. So if you would, would you join me in prayer? Would you stand across this room? I've said everything I've had to say. If you're at your home right now and you're watching online, I invite you to stand with me too. The other night I was watching a service in my home and I stood up. I decided I'm not going to be a spectator. They said stand up and I'm here standing in front of my TV. Why? Because that word was for me. So if this word is for you, I invite you to do the same if you're at home or here with us today. As we stand before him, I'm going to invite you to do something with me. If you feel comfortable doing this, I invite you to do it with me. Just put your hands out like this. And however way you want to do it, just put your hands out. And I want to pray a prayer over you. That, you would, that God would pour into your life the joy that you need to get to walk forward in him. Father, I pray for joy to be in the house of God. I pray for joy to be in every person's heart and life at the sound of my voice right now. I pray, God, that they would walk in obedience, that they would walk in patience and love, that they would walk in acts of humility, and they would have the thought patterns of Jesus Christ, that, God, in their lives, they would not conform to the pattern of this world, but instead put their mental target on Jesus. We want to get to you that's our goal so I ask you in Jesus name fill every person at the sound of my voice with joy as they walk with you not just a regular joy but a divine unspeakable joy father I pray for humility to be in the house of God again that same humility that drove you, Jesus, to wash your disciples' feet. The same humility that put you on that cross and allowed you the moment to say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. What kind of love was that? I am floored, God, by how much you love us. Today I ask you, God, fill your people in Jesus' name with all the joy they need 
to walk this life. May they walk with the passion and the humble spirit you call them to walk in. Fill every gap so that their joy may be complete. I pray, God, may they be rescued and redeemed. Lord, you didn't just forgive them and move them on. You paid their debt all the way by giving of yourself. Let them walk in humility today so that one way, one day we will stand before you and you will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. We thank you in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.